I genuinely could not be more excited to bring you a guest. <laughs> Veronica Romney is a dream team architect who helps online entrepreneurs build their dream teams and train their rain-making marketing leaders. Now, Veronica, or V, as I know her, and as you'll hear me refer to throughout this episode, V is a former speaker and trainer for Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi. She's also the former chief of staff of Boss Babe. And yes, I mean that Boss Babe. She is featured all over the place. If you Google her, you're going to find her in places like Forbes and Inc. and HuffPost and ABC News and so much more. And when V is not helping her visionary clients scale to eight figures plus or hosting her incredible Rainmaker podcast, you can find V wrangling her two man cubs, as she calls them. I love that. In the beautiful oak trees of North Carolina. Now, Veronica and I get into some really, really deep topics on today's conversation. We talk about what it's like to be at the top of a corporate career, only to discover that you're not necessarily in alignment with integrity or values with the people that you are working with or for, what it's like to be an entrepreneur what it's like to be raising humans. And we talk in depth about some of the difficult challenges and amazing opportunities that each of us has had as a parent. And I, I can't wait for you to hear what she shares so beautifully and transparently in this conversation. And we do talk a little bit about business, her upbringing, her North Star mantras and what gets her through the hard days. I think her resilience, her passion, her energy, I hope it comes through in this episode because I have to tell you, V is one of the most important and inspirational people that I have met through the internet space. And I'm so delighted that she spoke with me and with you today. So without further ado, here's Veronica Romney. Welcome to Hard Costs, the podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick, fractional CMO and funnel fixer. And guess what? I'm good in a crisis and I know how to see through the chaos to find clarity. That's something I've learned from working behind the scenes as a strategic partner for visionary CEOs. I'm on a mission to bring founders to the forefront and to tell the truth about the hard costs of doing business. You know, we all see wins shared on social media highlight reels every day. But what we don't often get a glimpse into are the tough times, the lost revenue, hiring and firing, moments that required major pivots, and so much more. On Hard Costs, we're bringing forward the stories that will help you understand that the roller coaster ride you're on is all part of the gig. And just like a roller coaster, the founder journey can be pretty thrilling. Take a listen while I share my own experiences, case studies from companies I've worked with, and I'm joined by some of my favorite founders to help you navigate this storm the right way. Now let's rise together. It's so funny that you say that, V, because I was just watching the Smartless documentary on Max, and that is a podcast I love. And those guys are like the 30 seconds before the show starts. These are trained professionals, people that have been in the acting business, some of them for, for decades, you know, are doing eight shows on Broadway, are are famous comedians, they're still like, they get the, they get the antsy, mm -hmm. like wiggles in, <laughs> in the wings. And it makes me feel better that as we were coming out to talk, like you, I feel like are such a consummate professional. I do not see you stumble. I see you having such gravitas and authority and such a strong voice. And to know that just before a podcast starts, like you still sort of have to like 
shimmy shake, shake get the energy up. Yeah. That makes me feel, did it make you uncomfortable? And I said, you were such a consummate professional. I saw a look there. <laughs> no, I think, I think classic female problem of not accepting or receiving kind words. It's funny because words of affirmation are my love language, but like to get that type of compliment, it's like, Oh, like I instantly a little bit go, maybe, maybe not lower the expectations. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because as people heard me rave about in the intro to you. You know, one of the things that to me feels so magnetic about you is that you are a visionary, but you're also an Mm -hmm. integrator. And Mm -hmm. so when I think of a true visionary, I think this is a person who is led by ego and not even in a necessarily negative way, but they feel very convicted of what they are called to do in their business, in their life. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. my take on working with some of the biggest visionaries in the business as you have is that, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they don't like to be slowed down by the details or by somebody telling them no. And yet, you know, you have been able to grow your own business as a visionary CEO, but your background feels very operational to me, feels very in the weeds. I know you're a spreadsheet you know, lover like I am. So tell me about what it's like to walk through the world with those two sometimes conflicting personality traits. Uh, Yes. Uh, For a really long time, I would have an an existential identity crisis. (laughs) Like, am I a CEO? No, I don't want to be a CEO. I actually prefer to be behind the curtain, working with the team, doing the cool things. So it's, it's, for a really long time. Like I remember I was in a <clears throat> big conference and, and the speaker on stage was like, raise your hand if you're the CEO. I'm like, well, I guess that's me. And then he's like, but raise your hand. Also then he asked the rest of the question, like raise your hand if you operate within the business. I'm like, I like, I, I, I guess I no longer do that. But then there was a part of me that was like, but I want to raise my hand. So I do, I, there's certainly duality in, in who I am. And instead of fighting with myself, I actually like came to terms with it, which is interesting. This is what's qualified me to do the nature of the work that I do so well, I think, because I can see the perspective from both. I know what it is to run a company. I know what it is to have a team that, I mean, just makes me fly. I've also been really burned and hurt in team trauma and then vice versa. You and I have both been top of our game marketing leaders. We know what it is to be empowered and we know what it is to have our legs cut from underneath us any given turn. So like I have seen and have earned the battle scars on both sides. And so it does qualify me uniquely to at least translate for both groups because most of the breakdown is a miscommunication. So like I now accept my duality. I don't fight with myself. I also no longer feel like I have to choose one or the other. I am both. I am both mother and also there's the, the Veronica before I had kids that's still wild and wants to go hang out with Taylor Swift. <laughs> like there's, there's always multiple parts of us and they're not at odds and you don't have to pick one or the other. We are multiverse, multi-identity. And so I just accept that about myself and it's actually given me a lot of peace in my career, but also in my personal life. I love that. And I would love to talk about your personal life just a little bit only because as you were talking, so I'm a, Mm -hmm. I'm the first daughter of a first daughter Mm -hmm. and I have my oldest child as a daughter. I see so many similarities, Mm -hmm. even though we are disparately different people. I mean, like what 
we like, what we don't like, how we operate in the world. Like we are three very, very different women. And yet there is an energy about us that feels similar to me. And I have to ascribe some of that to being the first daughter. And I've been talking with people, whether it's clients, friends, colleagues, there, there seems to be something in kind of the early stages of our childhood that shapes some of that. So tell me what little V was like, what was your, what was your upbringing like? Okay. So I love this conversation. I actually recently polled all the CEOs in my program. I'm like, how many of you are the oldest child and almost everybody, but like two people like raised their digital hand. And then the two that didn't, I asked them like, okay, so you're not the oldest, but are you the oldest daughter? And they're like, yeah, we're both the oldest daughter. I'm like, like, so it doesn't really, if you're the oldest or the oldest daughter, you are more inclined to being a maverick, a challenger, a CEO, an entrepreneur. Like you just, you make something out of nothing. There is certainly a a component of your, of where you fall in the family system that lends to being gutsier and not having somebody model it before you, which I think makes a lot of sense for CEOs who have to create something out of nothing. Right. So a little V. (laughs) So first of all, I'm 100% Latina. I'm Cuban. My parents were both born and raised in Cuba. My mom left when she was 18. My dad was in his early 20s. And I'm the first daughter on both sides. First kid, first daughter, first everything. First child on both sides, the Seviano side and the Iglesias side to be born in the United States. So like guinea pig of guinea pigs. Wow. (laughs) Um, No one to model for me. No one to, you know, show me the way. Everything was brand new. Um, and there I was this little girl, um, being raised by Cuban immigrant parents in a brand new country while they're also still learning English, starting their own company, because it's not like the, the United States, uh, recognized any of their education from Cuba it does not transfer. So even though my mom was in her first year of medical school, you basically start from scratch. So they started an air conditioning company because what does everybody need in hot South Florida air conditioning? And they go into trade and they start a business from nothing because out of pure necessity, and here I come also as the first child. So I'm, I'm front row, not just to my parents learning a new language and adapting to a country that is not their own, but I'm also watching them build a business from nothing mm-hmm. and the grind of my dad being in addicts when it's, you know, August in Florida. Right. So like, of course, that's going to show me a lot of things. Of course, that's going to model for me, hard work, great work ethic, um, and all of that. But I also think that like nature and nurture, my parents nurtured me for sure. I think they didn't even realize how much they were nurturing me mostly by example. But then if I, you know, outside of that, I'm like, yeah, but my inherent nature as a person, I am this, like, I don't care if you look at my human design or all my personality assessments or this or my birthday, my horoscope, they all say the same thing. I'm an overachiever. (laughs) So nature and nurture is what makes Veronica for sure. I love that you shared that because what I have come to know and and one of the many things that I love about you is that you are fiery. You are feisty. You have called me out. I have seen you call other people out, but in the most (laughs) loving and empathetic way where, you know, I just feel like, Hey, this is somebody who believes in her, her circle so deeply and so passionately that she's not going to let them off the hook. She's going to Mm -mm. empower them and inspire them, but also like just call them out on their BS. And and when you were just sharing that upbringing and also seeing your parents become very Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial, Mm -hmm. it seems like you've done that as well. I, you know, shared really what I assume are just the highlights of your resume when I first introduced you here. Uh, But 
in addition to what someone would see on your LinkedIn or on your resume, I have to imagine that there were businesses and accomplishments or journeys that happened that maybe aren't reflected there. What, what would you tell me or our listeners that might surprise them about who you are today? Oh, I mean, for sure. Like, uh, you know, I've always had like a little bit of a side hustle here and there. So like, yes, I, I also have this belief that entrepreneurs birth other entrepreneurs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it makes sense. And I see it. I see this kind of generational, you know, continuation of entrepreneurial, you know, mindset within the family walls. And so, yes, I had this gut feeling ironically because my parents are Cuban immigrants and they didn't have any other education acknowledged grazing us. So it's me, my brother, and my sister. It was like, okay, change your stars, change your destiny, go get educated. So it was a huge emphasis on like getting the best grades, any AP class that I could elect into. I also did the international baccalaureate program in high school, which is like a whole other thing. So like I graduated college in three years because I already had 64 college credits walking in the door. Like I'm talking about overachiever, overachiever, but also because my parents are trying to give us the leg up that they did not have. And then, but deeply, in spite of the fact that I was like, you know, crusading and going towards that corporate ladder and all the things, you know, all that formal institution, all of that corporate lingo and doing my thing, I had this gut feeling that the ocean would call. Like I would have my Moana moment, (laughs) (laughs) the ocean would call me and I would need to like go forth. And so I I knew that I had a feeling it would come. Mm. I didn't know when it would come. I didn't know the circumstances. I just kind of had the feeling that one day that I'd get that the bug or the tap on the shoulder, which happened after I had my first son. So like I knew that it was coming, but then like I told you the identity crisis. So if you look at my resume, it's this ping pong of like entrepreneurship. Nope. Let's go back to killing (laughs) it and working it behind the scenes. Nope. I can, I'm not aligned with the values of the company or the CEO. We're not in integrity. Uh -uh, Nope. I'm going to go back to do my own thing because I have really high standards crap. And then I keep, I, I would vacillate between the positions because I desperately wanted to work at a company where I aligned with the values and we were both in integrity with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I couldn't find it, then I'd be like, screw it. I'm doing it myself. So like there, if you look at the resume, that's, that's the background to that. Now, did I have a lot of little side gigs that you won't see on LinkedIn? For sure. I had like <laughs> sheetcandybuffet.com. <laughs> like, no, I sold, yes. <laughs> I sold bulk colored candy for like, wedding planners. Actually, one of my biggest clients was like the MGM hotel in Vegas. They would buy these, I mean, pounds and pounds of gold and white candy for their events and things like that. For me, um, I had future food storage. I had lawn art decor. I had like a ra- I mean, I had the randomest e-commerce websites you can imagine. Cause I cut my teeth. I'd be learning SEO or PPC or link building. And I would do it on, on these little websites that I would kind of hustle and they would give me little vacations or little things, little lifestyle perks. That's so interesting. And, and it's funny to hear you say that because uh, my perception now that you shared that is that you have created a pretty dream world for yourself because it feels to me like on the one side, you're a visionary CEO running mm-hmm. a very successful business as the founder, as the owner, as the sure. the chief, everything. Although I know that you are very, very intensive uh, in, intent on helping CEOs not be chief everything officers. I hear that. Um, but you are also curating a community of people who are both entrepreneurial themselves, but are working with an in-house team. So that's, Mm -hmm. it's a 
an interesting concept to me because I share that with you. I, I really love the stability and consistency of working in-house on yes. one project, one team, yes. one vision. Mm-hmm. But as you shared, I find that to mm-hmm. be difficult when my own core values are not being mm-hmm. met or my own needs are being met. Um, mm-hmm. So talk to me about, you know, I don't want to spend too much time in sort of scarcity mindset, fear mindset, mm-hmm. all of that. But you expressed earlier in our conversation that you and I have both shared some real challenges of being mm-hmm. number twos or like in upper level leadership. And you mentioned sure. some of the things that have felt out of alignment without sharing the specifics, if you're not yeah. comfortable, tell me just about what it, what it has felt like or, or what that experience did to you as a person, not just as a professional. Well, a couple of things. Um, first of all, whenever you go through any kind of adversity, trial, tribulation, refinement through the fire, if you don't appendage meaning to what you go through, then it's just trauma for the sake of trauma. Like it's then, then what? I am just, and obviously like I prescribe to a higher like authority. So I believe, and like, I have all these, so like I have values that my, my family and student like gave to me, but I also just have higher value, you know, belief systems as well. So like, I don't want to negate that. I think it's important that I disclose that. So I, I think everything that I go through is for a reason. And I'm always trying to find the meaning in what I went through. And so sometimes when you go through these really horrific work situations. I mean, like there's like the me too stuff. There's like Mm -hmm. clear HR violations. I've been through that too. And then there's, it's not like an HR violation. It's like a values Mm -hmm. violation. It's really difficult to like articulate because it's more than like, we just didn't get along. It's nothing to do with personality. Like we, you and I can both work with anybody. It's, it's not a personality conflict or ego versus ego. It's, it's, how people define honesty, integrity, transparency can be radically different. So even though we both or two people say that they both believe in honesty and transparency, the way in which you conduct yourself and and execute those values is where you're going to see huge differences that will make, that will, it will prompt a conversation with yourself of whether or not you can stay those are the hardest ones. And I've, I've had to go through those a couple of times and it is really, really hard. And I'm not saying that from a high place. I'm not saying that from my high horse. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm my values or I conduct myself better than anybody else. I'm just saying there's differences. And so like, that's just important. I think from a surgeon mm-hmm. general warning right now, as far as the things that I've gone through, everything has been for my good one way or the other, right? Some people stay in your life for a reason. Some people come into your life for a season, but everything is meant for your good. And so when I look and I reflect back on some of the hardest points of my career, it is very clear to me now that I was meant to do that because it gave me either one confidence, aka like, well, if they can do it, (laughs) I can do it. (laughs) So there's those moments like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Two, you come across human beings that now fast forward are still in my life. And we, we've both, or all of us have moved on from the experience that brought us together. But had I not been in that particular moment at that particular time, I wouldn't have these individuals. And so if I had the choice to go through the fire again, would I do it? Yeah. Just for the relationships that I gained. So like, that's what I'm saying. You're either going to walk away with confidence. You're going to walk away with a resource, whether it be a person, a knowledge, an actual thing, a, a connection, like 
everything is for your good if you choose to make it that way because you can you can walk away and just stay ignorant and blind to what you went through or you can walk away and go okay what can i take from this and keep going and i that i will give myself credit because of the way that my parents have showed me my parents have gone through enormous adversity and backsliding but every single time i could i i saw them add these things to their you know mental capital or to their tool belt to go faster, further down the road. Uh, you know, resilience comes to mind. I know that's a word that has been used more frequently, but as you were talking that, that feels very resilient and the ability to both personally and professionally have that distinction of this happened, you know, what did I contribute? What did others contribute? What did the environment contribute? And what was just meant to, to have an end? I really love the way you articulated that. And you talked about your family uh, both your parents, your own family. What does the rest of your inner circle look like? Are you somebody that has a few super tight friends and they're the ones you're texting when things are good and bad? Are you, do you have a wide mm-hmm. circle? What does that look like for you? Ooh, it's a, it's a combo platter. <laughs> it's, a, it's a combo platter. I, sometimes I'm surprised by how many contacts I have in my like Mm -hmm. you know, virtual networking black book. I'm like, wow, like, you know, and this, I think that's by the nature of staying in an industry for a while or making contacts wherever you go and trying to preserve the contacts that you have. But if the question is, do I have, do I text 25 people when something happens in my life? The answer is no, no, no. Actually um, my inner sanctum or my inner circle is very, very, very tight And so like, first and foremost, it's just me and my husband, like he's my best friend. He he hears all the things and he is sometimes too much of a business coach. I just need him to be a a listening ear. And so we have these moments like, don't solve the problem. Just, I need, I just need to get it out. And he's like, we say, do you need a friend or do you need a fixer? Yeah, that is like, I picked that up from therapy, by the way, where, you know, because I'm a fixer and I had to realize like, yes, most of the time my circle doesn't need or want that. They just yeah. need to vent. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I love that you have that language as well. Oh, we have to, you have to, you, you, you have to, what hat do you wish me to wear right now? Is this a wife hat or is this, you know, a business advisor hat? Would you like me to help you with your team dynamic? So you want me to coach you right now? Like what, what are you needing? And the answer is usually like all three, but it's just the timing of all three. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. so it's him. Right. And it's funny. Cause now that my kids are getting older, I will start to share with them. Like mommy had a hard day at work today. Well, what happened? Well, somebody says like really not nice to me on the internet. Well, how did that make you feel? So now I'm I'm starting to include my my children mm-hmm. as they age up because that's so important. Beyond that, then I have of course the Cubans. There's always the Cubans. <laughs> Who wouldn't <laughs> want some Cubans? So like I'll call my dad. I'm like, okay, this is how much I made today, you know. And he's like, you got you got to charge more. I'm like, okay, love you, bye. <laughs> so that's that's the advice, right? And then and then from there, it's actually. I mean, you know this because I've said this before. Like I rather swim in the deep end with fewer people than be. even as a brand, I then be a mass consumed brand with everybody having proximity to me like that. Just, I'm not interested. Mm. I rather just go really deep with a select few. And so, yeah, when I'm in those hard moments or I'm even questioning what the right thing is to do, um, there are very few people like on one hand that I'm like, Hey, Hey, Mm -hmm. Hey, you like I'm struggling with this. And I hold them in such reverence that whatever they say as challenging as it might be, um, I'm going to know it's because they love me and it's for my good. And that's, that's be very careful with those spots. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, I will link to it in the show notes, but there was an Instagram post that you shared recently about intimacy and proximity and mm-hmm. really the, the shifting role that those two words and philosophies are, are playing. And that really resonated with me. And I think will speak to a lot of people who, you know, when we think about social media, even the term mm-hmm. social media, it's, it's broadcasting, right? It's like mm-hmm. how many people can hear this amazing thing that I have to say and my amazing perspective. And I really feel like more and more women in particular are dialing that back and saying that feels, it feels more hollow than I want it to. And it's not the impact. And, and maybe that comes with age too, V, you know, sure. as we yes. kind of get out of this more performative stage. Yes. What's interesting to me, and I, I, you brought up your kids. I have two girls. They're 10 and seven. Um, my daughters are my own little... One of them mm-hmm. is an entrepreneur in training for sure. She must be an Enneagram 8. She must be. <laughs> I mean, I know her. I don't even have to type her. I know what she is. And my older daughter is much more sensitive. Um, and so... But it, what's interesting to me and why I bring this up is that they have a vocabulary for sharing their emotions and their journey that I don't think I had. And I had very open, loving parents too. I feel very lucky for that. My parents were hippies. So, you know, they were talking about emotions and feelings when it wasn't cool in the eighties and nineties. But, you know, one of the things that I know you've spoken about before is working with a parenting coach. You shared that having your first child really impacted your business and life. Now they're, you know, your little accountability partners. Walk me through what what parenting and entrepreneurship has been like, felt like for you, the the good, the bad, and anything else that you yeah. can share. Yeah, I, uh, I'll be the first to admit. Um, gosh, uh, I, Scott and I have this. Scott, my husband has. We have this conversation <laughs> between marriage, parenthood, or entrepreneurship. Which one do you think is the hardest? <laughs> I mean, it's like all bring you, isn't it all three all at the same yeah. time? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're all going to bring you to your knees. That's for dang sure. But like, uh, for different reasons. But I, I am the first one to say publicly, like parenthood is the one where I need like daily atonement and repentance, (laughs) like daily, (laughs) um, in so many ways, which has been really hard for me. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm still very much trying to untangle that really messy necklace. Like, why, why has this been so hard for me? Especially like you, like I had really great parents. So like, why is this Mm -hmm. so hard? And why do I hold my help myself to such an extreme standard? I'm not, I'm not trying to be Mary Poppins here, Mm -hmm. but like, if you screw up your kids, I don't even care what I do professionally. I I don't even care what I do professionally. If I screw up my kids, it's like, oh man, like I, I can't. And so Mm -hmm. I tend to, um, unfortunately parent from a place of fear, Mm -hmm. which is very much surviving mentality than it is a thriving mentality, which is ridiculous. I, I'm I'm the first one. I'm a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Part of that work in progress, um, is asking for help. And so I, yes, I have used and could not like endorse more than I could for anybody listening. If you are struggling in your parenting, get a parenting coach, get resources because we do it in every other walk of life. If you want to lose weight or get fit, if you want to start a business, we're just, I mean, you just pour and pour and pour and all this all in education and YouTube and this and all the things. But then the one thing that really you know, matters more than anything else is what happens to the next generation that you're responsible for. And so like, I needed some help. I needed, I needed a shift in my paradigm. I needed to see it differently because I was really struggling with it. Um, and it's a hard position to be in where you feel like you're nailing it 
professionally and failing at home, that you are an incredible leader for people who are, that you didn't birth, but you don't feel like you're a great leader for the people that you gave life to, which has been fascinating and challenging and humbling for me. Mm-hmm. I would like to also say I'm in a much better place. And I don't know if it's because the kids are getting older, so they're not. So now I feel like I can converse with them mm-hmm. versus like just the physicality of two little boys is just so intense. Um, but I've also, here's the other thing. Cause I talked about like accepting my identity I think the one, if I had to attribute one big shift for me, even in my parenting leadership, it, which is so funny because I do it so well with like, again, staff that are not my family that I radically accept people for who they are. Mm -hmm. And then yet with my children, I feel this responsibility that I need to like change them or morph them or their Play-Doh in my hands until 18. And I only have a select few of time to make sure they're not like this narcissistic prick, you know, like I just start and and one of the things that my parenting coach said, she's like, what if they were just kind of predestined seed? Like it's their nature. You can't change somebody's nature. All you're in charge of is their soil and nurturing the soil. So like stop wanting your oldest, who I think is also probably destined for greatness. <laughs> like stop, stop lamenting that he's a cactus and like wishing he was a cilantro. Just accept that he's a cactus and make him the best flipping cactus that he could ever be. And I'm like, yeah. So like, I think the same type of leadership mentality when you accept your people for who they are and then you love them and you serve them for who you are and your team, you do the same with your family and your kids, especially, which is harder to do. I truly appreciate that transparency because, you know, it certainly speaks to me. I know that it will speak to others, but there's also so much value. And this is something I, I know I did not do well for the first half of my career. I'm really, this is where I'm a work in progress, which is and also, you know, to be totally honest, why I wanted to start this podcast and have these conversations, which is, you know, there is so much value in sharing the hard part and, and the fact that you are building the plane while you're flying in, in every aspect. And, and I certainly succumb to imposter syndrome, as we talked about at the beginning, or or falling into the comparison trap, because I would see these women who did seem to have it figured out and were never short-tempered with their kid and always left work at five. And and that wasn't me. And and for you to share, hey, I'm all of these things. And by the way, the fact that I care so deeply means that I am doing a lot, right? Like there's so much in what you just said that the, your, your passion for working on it to me says that you, you're not really ever screwing it up to a point where it's, it's not fixable. Um, but that's, you know, those are the conversations that I remember when my, my first daughter came home, I had no experience with babies. I, I mean, I, and I was so smug about having my first daughter because like you, I'm an overachiever. I thought, Oh, I've read all the parenting books. I've done all the things. And I literally put her diaper on backwards the first time that I had her at home. And my husband thankfully is the oldest of four and has a lot more experience with younger kids. He came in, he kind of saved the day. And in in an interesting way, he really has become more of the caregiver in our family, which has, you know, again, we could talk about this all day, which I think has empowered me to feel more clear and confident about being in my professional role when I am, because I know they have that other soft landing spot. They have the the backup. And I do not ever take that for granted. I really don't. Um, but that was humbling. And then I feel like, okay, I spent two and a half years getting it. I'm pregnant with my second one. My older daughter was in daycare at 12 weeks. It was a pretty typical like back to corporate experience. And then my younger daughter, I was pregnant with her when I started my first 
company that I founded. I had her, I'm holding her, nursing her under the camera while trying not to move my shoulders because I didn't want the clients that I was talking to, to see, you know, it's like all of these things and you cannot separate the two. Um, and, and what I love to just to put a fine point on it, that, that you and so many other women, I think are coming forward more, uh, more and sharing their stories is that I love to work. Like I, I respect so much the path that everybody takes in their career, whether they are working full-time, part-time entrepreneur, working for someone else, like you do you girl. But for me, I really love to work. So this idea of like, Oh, I only want to work five hours a week. I only want to do this. That's not my North star. It's about finding work that I really think I'm doing well at as you said, that there's an alignment of integrity with the people that I'm surrounded by. And that hopefully I'm not screwing up the kids stuff at the end of the day, but, but I, I'm in the same boat as you. I think if there is a short straw in there and probably the, as you said, the one that is the most important, it's, it's the family stuff. So I, I really appreciate you, you sharing that. Um, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. So when you talked about your journey. You shared so many powerful sentences. Is there a particular phrase or mantra that you come back to? Like for me, a rising tide lifts all boats. This has been my guiding North star mantra for the last decade. Is there something like that for you? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I think for a really long time, cause you know, like it was like the power word was like, yeah, what's your power word? <laughs> Everybody tattoos it. Wrong. Um, I, exactly. Um, so for a really long time, um, I, I, I got this blessing when I was like 17 years old and in it, it was like, you know, I bless you to, that you know that you're valiant. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, the word valiant isn't in the normal dictionary for a 17 year old. So that really stuck out to me. And then I'm like, what does valiant mean? And I was like, you were halfway through college at that point though, V (laughs) you've been racking up those college credits. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I was yeah definitely a nerd without a shadow of doubt, (laughs) nerdy and proud, but, um, but yeah, valiant was a really strong word and I still love, 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 it's not tattooed on my skin, but I love that word being valiant and showing courage and determination in spite, right. In spite of circumstances, Mm -hmm. not being ideal. But I will, the one phrase, now that you asked this great question, like the, the, the quote that I've been saying in my mind a lot for this particular season, really trying to unapologetically step even further into my visionary CEO and messenger role, because it's like the one thing that I can do to serve the company best in this moment of growth is, um, true freedom is nothing to hide nothing to prove no longer being a victim to anything. And when you put yourself out there, you're going to get both sides. You're going to get people who are loving it and people who are really not. And it's hard and you don't even have to be a people pleaser for it to be hard. It's just stingy. And so like freedom being defined by nothing to prove and nothing to hide. I don't know. There's something really powerful in that. That's been like, that's stuck to me very recently. I love that. And I see you model that, you know, it's been such a joy for me to watch your evolution and that's only been in a short time. And so I, I truly cannot wait to see the next big thing for you, V. I'm going to let you wrap with one quick lightning round. iPhone or Android? iPhone. 
iPhone. All right. That's my girl. Um, what is your favorite social media platform to be on? Instagram. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I know. did. I was going to call you out in private, but I'll do it here publicly. I was just on your LinkedIn page and I was like, where's my girl? It's been months. We I'm need- not. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I, know I, I know how active you are everywhere else. So I'm going to give you a pass, but I was like, okay, okay. all right. V, I need some more LinkedIn from you. Okay. You get a three month sabbatical from your job and there's no negative impacts. Where do you go? What are you doing? Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Yep. Costa. In fact, we're actually, we're trying to plan a whole three week sabbatical in November because the kids are out of school and track out and we're going to go for three weeks and do like an immersion experience. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be watching very carefully. (laughs) I can't wait to see that trip. Mm -hmm. Um, Outside of the big philosophical stuff, what, mm. what's your biggest fear? I shared with you off camera that I have a fear of dental work. What's yours? Mm, I mean, I definitely have dislikes. Not a big fan of snakes or dental work uh, <laughs> neither. But if, honestly, if I'm being really trans, like, I, and I think this will resonate when you're responsible for littles. Mm. I shared this recently at a dinner. I, I don't want to die. And I know, sorry, not to be morbid, but like, and it's not that I fear death. It's more like, I don't want to leave my babies. I don't want to leave my husband too soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I don't think that's morbid. I think that it's rational and almost pragmatic. And that sure. doesn't surprise me about either of us that we would say, no, like we need to, we need to fulfill our duties mm-hmm. with these people. We need to pour mm-hmm. in everything mm-hmm. we can. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll be at peace when it's my time to go. If, if all those, yeah. uh, if all those are done. Okay. We'll end it with something that is, I think you, you can't get morbid. Do you have a signature coffee order? I'm assuming you drink coffee. <sighs> I don't drink coffee. It's all natural, baby. I don't. It's all pure energy. I don't drink coffee. You know what I do, though? If you see me in one of these, in one of these, like, you know, big water jugs, nine times out of 10, it's either going to have electrolytes or it's going to have zit fizz. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. Mm -hmm. I I am really impressed by that. Uh, I tried to go, I tried to go totally caffeine free about 10 years ago and it lasted a week. Um, it was the hardest week of my life. It was harder to give up coffee than just about any other vice that I have. Uh, so, so I am bowing down to you, but uh, (laughs) I I have usually, um, element or some type of like salty electrolyte something in my water. So, so that makes me feel better. You are the best. I love you so much, V. I'm so thankful for everything you do. And I really appreciate you taking the time today. Oh, you you're a dream and you're fantastic at what you do. You're so easy to converse with you. I think what's so special about you is how much your empathy drives your work. Cause you know what it is and that's significant. I think a lot of people, when they work with outside providers, they feel like nobody will care about my business the way that I care about my business. And then you meet somebody like yourself mm. and because of your level of integrity, because of your empathy, no, no, no. You don't just care to get the five star review, but no, like you care as if it was your own. And I think that's something to be said. So I just want to validate that. Thank you. And it's especially validating because like you, my love language is words of affirmation. So you're the best. I can't wait for people to follow (laughs) you and get to know you and hopefully jump into one of your programs. Thank you again. I, I just love you so much. Deal. Hosting this show is such a pinch me moment because every time I finish a conversation, like I just did with Veronica, I think, 
how did I get so lucky to have these people in my life? And how did I get so lucky to be able to share their stories with you? I hope that you enjoyed hearing from Veronica for just this short amount of time. And if you loved her as much as I do, I encourage you to go find and follow her in all of the places. VeronicaRomney.com is, of course, her website and links to all of her social media platforms. It has so much incredible information about her and how she can help you the way that she has helped so many of the world's biggest, boldest business leaders. You can also visit rainmakerresidency.com. And on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, she is at V Romney. You can also find her on Facebook at Veronica Iglesias Romney. So V, thank you so much for your time, for your vision, for your vulnerability, and just for being a light in the world of online marketing and entrepreneurship and parenthood and all of the other things that we talked about. And I want to thank all of you for listening to the show today. I really appreciate it. And again, if you loved hearing from Veronica, be sure to go follow her, let her know how you found her through this show. And I can't wait to bring you the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. My hope is that through someone else's journey, you're able to find what you need to keep going because a rising tide lifts all boats. Doing business is hard, but none of us has to navigate it alone. So make sure you share this with a friend or a colleague who needs to hear this message. And I would love for you to write a review so we can keep getting these incredible founder stories to as many people as possible. If you liked this episode and want to learn more about my services or would like to book me as a speaker for your next event, head to katiewidrick.com. I'll see you on the next episode of Hard Costs.